Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, uh, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, before we get into uh, this week's podcast, let's get our shout outs here. Um, we have... Uh, again, we're we're focusing just on the U.S. here. Um, again, we have uh, Mississippi, right? So if you're from Mississippi, if you're listening from uh, Gulfport, Tupelo, Crystal Springs, South Haven, uh, Olive Branch, Jackson, Senatobia, uh, we're so grateful you guys are listening. I know I have friends uh, and brethren there in those areas, so we're, we're thankful that you guys are supporting and checking out the podcast. Um, also from uh, from Bama. Roll Tide, right? <laughs> for you, for us, for us Alabama fans out there, uh, we got Florence, uh, we got Montgomery, we got T Town, Tuscaloosa, uh, we got uh, Tallahassee, we got Watumka, and we have uh, Prattville. So, if you guys are listening for those areas, uh, we're grateful that you guys are listening too. I know I went to camp and had some had some fun times with some people in Watumka and Prattville a long time ago. So. If you guys are listening from there, miss you guys. Glad you guys are listening. Uh, and also from Louisiana, uh, we've got uh, Spring Hill, uh, Calhoun. Uh, we've got West Monroe and New Orleans. So thank you guys so much from those areas uh, for supporting the podcast. And hopefully we continue to grow uh, and learn and continue to build this podcast up together. So we're just so grateful that we have uh, your guys' support. All right. So let's get into what we're talking about today. So we've been kind of having a, a series, right? We've been talking about biblical love and uh, up to this point, we've looked at number one. The first part was we looked at uh, what do we do when we don't feel loved, right? What do we do when we don't feel that love from the other person or other people, or even just feel love in general? What do we do? Then part two, we looked at three ways, why, or how, come we can't forgive and so we looked at some different ways and different attitudes that we have that keep us uh, from forgiving and moving forward then number three we looked at essentially how to love God and you know that's a that's a nice phrase but that's difficult because that means we have to give up some things and we have to sacrifice things and we looked at that so if you haven't got the chance to listen to those podcasts check those podcasts out but part four Today, what we're going to talk about is important because those three things we talked about before, they all happen in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, that's a relationship, whether it's, uh, you know, you and parents, that's a relationship, whether it's you and your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever, that's a relationship. So today's podcast, we're going to kind of put a nice bow on it. We're going to do three ways to kill any relationship three ways how to kill any relationship again and like i said this is not necessarily just for those that are married and just for those that are in the boyfriend girlfriend couple space but it does apply to that 
but it also applies to friendship and other relationships as well. So three ways to kill any relationship. And what we're going to do, we're going to make some comparison um, with the life of Jacob and Esau. And we're going to look at how that relationship deteriorated throughout the years. All right, so let's get started. I'm excited about this one. Three ways to kill any relationship. So the first way, so what happens, right? So we kill a relationship when number one, when we make the relationship a competition, right? You know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're so competitive that even when we get into a relationship, we bring that competitive nature with us. And so Jacob and Esau, we have two brothers here, but even from the womb, they struggle. They were competitive. So look at this, look at Genesis chapter 25. And again, if you're new to the podcast, first of all, we're glad that you're here studying with us. But here we like to open up our Bibles together and study together. Uh, and also this helps because you can go back and you can look at these verses again rather than say, well, this is Jordan's uh, thoughts the, the whole time. You know, there's actually references for you to look back at. So open up your Bibles, get your tablet, phone, wherever you can get your Bible at. And let's go to Genesis chapter 25. And I want to notice verses 22 and then 26. So Genesis uh, 25, verse 22 and then 26. All right, so let's, let's, let's read our text here. So starting verse 22 of chapter 25. And the children, talk about Jacob and Esau, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Then verse 26. So then they struggled within the womb. But then when it was time for birth in verse 26, notice. So as she started verse 24, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, the twins were in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that, his brother came out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. So the first moment that we hear about Jacob and Esau, even from the womb, what is the basis of their relationship? The basis of it is competition. And even when they were born, Jacob tries to catch his heel coming out of the womb and so we have to we have to go back to definitions here so we're talking about three ways to kill a relationship the word relationship in the dictionary is defined as this the way in which two or more concepts objects or people are connected or the state of being connected so if you're connected in any sense of the word, right? Friendship, marriage, relationship, whatever. If you're connected, why would you want to fight against something that you're connected to? Why would you want to fight something that you're connected to? Because whenever you're connected, when one part is going through something, you feel that and vice versa. So why would you want to fight something that you're connected to? You think about Jacob and Esau in the womb. They were literally connected. And so notice this, you know, we talk about relationships die 
and we kill them because from the very beginning of it, just like Jacob and Esau, what do we make our relationships? What do we base it on? We base it on competition. And so here's three things. If you're taking notes, I want you guys to, to write this day, write this down. So here's here's three quick reasons of why we make things competition between us and relationships. Number one, we make things uh, competition in relationships because number one, that's all we've seen in the home. That's all we've seen in the home. You know, and, and this is something you have to understand when you're dealing with the church, when you're dealing with with uh, with groups of people, and when you deal with two different people coming together, you have to understand that sometimes the way that other people grew up is different. And so what you've seen in the home matters. And so think about this. Remember, we talked about we talk about we're making the relationship a competition. So number one, you're just doing what you've seen at your house. So if you've seen in your home, if you've seen divorce, if you've seen split, if you've seen hurt, your view of marriage or your view of relationship, even without you knowing it, this could be subconscious. Your view of any relationship is competition. Because in your mind, you say, well, I don't want done to me what I've seen happen in my home. So I'm not going to be the losing party like someone that I've known in my home was. And so what you do is you bring that into all of your relationships. You do what you see in the home. If you see if you see fighting in the home, you do what you see. And so why do we make things competition? That's all we've seen. Then number two, why else do we make things competition? Number two, because of immaturity. You know, I'm reading this book right now. It's called Marriages for Those Who Love God and Love One Another. And it talks about one reason that we make marriage a competition is because of immaturity. And the writer lists, uh, Brother Thomas Warren, the, the, the writer mentions the three stages of life that we all go through. And so he mentions this. The first stage we all go through is the, is the dependent stage, right? So as kids, we're dependent on someone else. So then as we grow, then we start to seek independence. So that's the adolescent stage. So that can go all the way up to your teenage years. Then after you seek independence, then you gain or you try to gain maturity and enter dependence. Meaning you only not seek good for yourself, but you also seek the good of others. That's the level of maturity. And so I want to I want to read an excerpt from this. This is it's crazy. He talks about this and he talks about that so many relationships fail because you have two children getting into a relationship. They might be mature they might be mature in terms of age. They might not be teenagers, they might be older. But internally they're still children. So you get two children together, then you're always going to have problems. So look at, look at what he writes here. He wrote this. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. He says, many married people have simply failed to grow up. They are still fighting 
like they're in the adolescent world. They're fighting for their own way. They are dominated by the thinking that causes a child to say, I will take my ball and I will go home if you don't let me go first. You see, when you bring that attitude into a, into a selfless institution, that institution is going to fail. And so when we talk about we make the relationship a competition, we make it a competition because we're, we're too immature. We're not at the right stage yet. So not only do we do what we see in the, in the home, not only are we immature, but then number three, we become wrongly sensitive. Well, what does that mean, wrongly sensitive? I don't understand. So, <clears throat> so what happens right now if someone tells you that you're wrong or you try to get help? Are you really defensive and you run when someone asks you uh, you were wrong or someone tells you you were wrong? Do you get really defensive? I'm not saying that we shouldn't be sensitive, but I'm saying that we sh- sometimes we're wrongly sensitive. So any mistake, any problem, any concern that is ever brought up about you or about me, then we just automatically get on the defensive and then we take our ball and we run away. Why? Because that's what we've seen in the home. And number two, because we're immature. So when the first bad thing happens, then, well, I'm out. I'm going to run. So specifically, take a quick sidebar. So for our guys here, this specifically, this is for us too. We become, we're, we're very wrongly sensitive because this hurts us in our relationship as guys. So think about this guys. If you're, if you're on the road and you're asking, and you're not even asking directions, you're like, oh yeah, I know where to go. And then your wife or your girl or whoever's sitting next to you, hey, I think we took a wrong turn. You don't know what you're talking about, right? You get, we get defensive real quick. Or maybe you're building something, right? And you're building it and you're like, oh yeah, that looks good. And then your wife or your girl or someone says, hey, well, I don't think that's built right. Well, you don't know how to build. We get defensive. You see, guys, this hurts us in our relationships. We get so defensive because we get so mad that somebody's telling us, something we don't want to hear rather than hearing the emotion we run straight to why are you always saying i'm wrong why you always got something to say why are you always so then we get defensive and then what we do we take our ball and then we go away you see jacob and esau from the beginning what was their relationship based off of verses 25 and 26 their relationship was based off of competition. And so if your relationships are based off of competition, that's one step to killing it. All you do, you do what you see in the home. We're immature and we become wrongly sensitive. So then when we talk about, when we talk about three ways to kill a relationship, Number one, we've seen when we make the relationship a competition, then we become immature. That's the first step to killing it. Well, what's next? Then number two, what we do, we give unrealistic expectations in it. So mind you, these things work together. 
So number one, you already make the, the relationship a competition once you get in it. Then number two, then you put unrealistic expectations on the other person. This is big here, y'all. So this is what happens. So think about think about uh, a relationship, right, before you get in it, right? So think about it before it happens. Don't you have a specific image of what you think a perfect relationship is before you get in one? If we got to be real. <laughs> we all do. So sometimes we have this image of how the relationship needs to go. But when you think about it, even before we get in it, we become selfish. So before my next relationship, everything has to work to my benefit in order for me to get in it. If it doesn't, then I'm not going to get in it. You're putting unrealistic expectations. Because is every relationship perfect? No. So if you come into it thinking that it's going to be perfect, then number one, what you're doing, you're making it a competition without you even thinking about it. So think about this. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, you might have said this. I expect you to do everything. You know, you, you might not say that. But that's that's what you're thinking about when you're in the relationship or even before. So think about this for a second. So if you come into any relationship with the mindset of everything needs to work out for me, think about the expectation and the pressure that you are automatically putting on the other person without even saying anything. But this is what happens, guys. Sometimes. We won't say that. Sometimes we won't say, I expect you to do everything. We'll rephrase it and we'll, and we'll switch it up and we'll try to put it in a nice package. And so we'll say it like this. Number one, we might say this before we get into a relationship. I've been hurt so many times before. I don't know if I can get hurt again. Let me translate that for you. So if you hear that before getting into a relationship, Here's the real translation for that. Don't make any mistakes. That's undue pressure on the other person. So think, how does the other person feel when you're getting into it? And now you're like, oh, well, he or she said before they've been hurt so many times. So if I make one mistake, then they're out. That's, that's putting unrealistic expectations. Or number two, they'll say something like this. Well, no relationship has worked for me up to this point. Translation, you do your part to make sure this one's perfect. Number three, well, me and my family have to do recon on you to see if it'll work. Translation, we have eyes on you. We have eyes on you all times, so don't mess up. Can you see how that can scare the other person? Even if you have the greatest intentions in saying these things, Think about the undue pressure that you're putting on the other person. So when you come into a relationship, number one, making it a competition. Then number two, when you come into it, putting these unrealistic expectations on them. Then when they make one mistake, then you're like, oh, well, I knew that you get angry. See, what we do is when we talk about unrealistic expectations, 
we dump all of our needs and our wants on someone. And if they don't fulfill their part in making my dream, notice what I said, in making my dream of the relationship come true, then the first mistake, the first miscommunication, the miss, the first this, the, the first that, then I'm out because you didn't meet my needs. You know, I read something the other day. Um, an older man was talking about relationships. And he said, what happened to working and growing together? He mentioned a relationship is like a house. When a light bulb burns out, don't go out and buy a new house. Change the light bulb. So think about how many times in our society, this is what we do. We just go around buying new houses. One problem happens. Oh, I need a new house. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes you don't need to go to a new house because sometimes you do. But at the same time, when the first miscommunication, the first mess up, the first this, the first that happens, well, time for a new house. Because what have we done? We're putting unrealistic expectations on people. So now let's go back to Jacob and Esau. So look at Genesis chapter 25. So first of all, we've seen that their relationship was based off of competition. So now in Genesis 25, notice how needy and how selfish Esau is here. Remember, we're talking about you putting unrealistic expectations on someone. Watch this. Verse number uh, verse number 30 of chapter 25. All right, actually starting 29. And Jacob sawed pottage, or he was making the pottage, right? And Esau came from the field, and Esau was faint. Now, here's verse 30. We're going to hone in on this. <clears throat> and Esau said to Jacob, notice, he's making this pottage. But Esau said to Jacob, feed who? Feed me. I pray thee. Then he says, notice the expectation that he's putting on Jacob. He says, not only do I want you to feed me, but I want you to feed me specifically. What are you talking about? I want you to feed me with that same red pottage that you've worked so hard on. And just because I'm tired, I want to get fed off of your hard work. So feed me with that pottage that you've been making. Why? Well, well, I you don't know. I might have made this for mom. I might have made this for me. Well, I want you to feed me this pottage that you made because I'm faint. Therefore, his name was Edom. You see how selfish that sounds? Look at what Esau's doing to his brother. He didn't even ask him, hey, can you make me another, can you make me another bowl? He said, no, 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 because I'm tired, because I'm faint, because I've been doing this, I want you to give me all of your hard work that you've been doing. We can't put unrealistic expectations on one another. So can you see how, uh, as we're putting this all in this pot, talking about being competitive, and being unrealistic, when we're putting all of this in the pot together, how this is going to start killing the relationships. Notice how selfish Esau sounds. He says, feed me. Feed me with that same pottage. Why? Because I'm tired. <laughs> so I want it because I'm tired. You see, now this is what happens. Now you have two competitive people. So you have Esau making demands. And so Jacob He's no pushover. So now if Esau makes demands, I got to match it. 
So now I got to make a demand. Well, what's my demand? Verse 31, Jacob says, all right, sell me this day your birthright then. And Esau said, now this is what happens. When you have two competitive people and you have two stubborn people, two competitive people. So one says, I want you to give me this just because I'm tired. Then the other says, I'm not going to do it unless you give me something. So now there's no communication there. There's no talking there. There's just you give me something because I want it on both sides. So then what happens when you have two competitive people like that? Each side's not going to budge. So was Esau going to budge? No. Was Jacob going to budge? Nope. So now you got to stand off. And this is what happens in our relationships. When you have stubborn people, instead of communicating through it, you got to stand off. So I'm not going to move until you give me what I want. Well, I'm not going to move until you give me what I want. So then after, after a while, then each side is so stubborn. Now what happens? Now over-exaggeration happens. Verse 32, and Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit this birthright to me? So notice their problem was solved because Esau said, well, I'm just going to die. So you win this round. And so he gives the birthright away. See, sometimes this is what happens in our relationships. We're so stubborn. And instead of being willing to sit down and communicate and talk, what we do is, all right, fine, fine. You just take this. We'll switch. We'll do this. So what did Jacob, what did Esau give up? Esau gave up his birthright just so he can get what he wanted. You see, sometimes when you put unrealistic expectations, you're going to end up giving up more than you're willing to. And so Esau realized later he shouldn't have gave up his birthright for a pot of beans that, that he could have had Jacob make another pot. But because he was so selfish, no, I want this one. I want this pot you got right now. You see how we do that to each other? We put unrealistic expectations on one another. And you have, and you have two stubborn sides. And so instead of, uh, instead of communicating, as brothers should, I'm just going to be stubborn until you get me what I want. So let's make some application for us in the 21st century. So we might not fight one another, you know, over beans like they did. But think about this. Sometimes this happens, uh, you know, just among us. You know, you, you have you have problems. And then, well, no, I'm not going to say it. I want to see if they'll text first. Now, I want to see if they'll say something first. Well, I'll see if they'll do this first. I'll see if they'll. So then what we'll do, we'll have this standoff until somebody says something. Well, remember we talked about 1 Corinthians 13, how love is patient and love is kind. And notice how it said love never seeks her own. You see, sometimes when we talk about unrealistic expectations, we put unrealistic expectations on one another. Because we're doing the opposite of 1 Corinthians 13. Rather than seeking the interest of someone else, we're seeking our own best interest. So then 
That's why we make it unrealistic. And so think about those phrases that we talk. I heard a preacher, <laughs> Brother Michael Shepard. He talked about relationships in a lesson at PTP. And he said something to this effect. He said, uh, you know, uh, he talked about how, uh, how you need to kind of avoid certain things and, and red flags. He said, brothers, <laughs> you know, he kind of talks with that, that twang. I like that. So he's like, brothers, you know, sometimes when this happens, when you hear these things, he said, he said, uh, he said, who's your favorite, favorite basketball player? Some kid was like, Steph Curry. <laughs> and so he goes, well, son, what you need to do is when you hear these phrases from these women, what you need to do, you need to put on your Steph Curry's and you need to run for the hills, boy. <laughs> it was hilarious, but it, it's so true, though. Sometimes when we hear phrases like I've been hurt so many times before, I don't think I can I can get hurt again. Then we try to be Superman and try to never hurt. And then as you try to be Superman and never hurt, you're really hurting yourself. Then if we hear phrases like, well, no relationship has really worked for me. So make sure this one's perfect. Then you try to kill yourself to make sure everything's perfect for everyone else, but you're not getting anything. Then me and my family have to do recon on you to see if this will work. So then you're worried about not only that person, then you're worried about everybody else. So when you make a mistake, you know that you're going to get bombarded by everybody else. That's not fair. It's unrealistic. And so then we have the same attitude as Esau. Well, forget all your hard work that you've been doing. You give it to me because I want it. Yeah, I know you've been making this pottage all day, but because I'm tired, I want yours. That's what we do in relationships. Well, yeah, I don't know about your background, but here's mine. So you need to meet my needs. This is what you need to do. This is. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have standards for relationships, but there's a difference between standards and dictatorship in relationship. There's a difference. The Bible has standards for biblical relationship, but it's different than being a dictator in it. You see, you, you both have to work together. And Jacob and Esau didn't learn this till later. But then like, like verse 32, then we over-exaggerate, right? Just like Esau. So number one, we kill our relationships by making it a competition. The number two, we kill it by putting unrealistic expectations on one another. Then number three, we kill our relationships when we play games with one another. See, sometimes when we talk about relationships, we talk about dominance. And so being in a relationship is never about establishing your dominance. It's about working together. And so in order to establish our dominance, what we'll do sometimes is we'll get back up in order to prove our point. So what we'll do is we'll get back up to prove our unrealistic expectation. Well, look, I know you don't agree, but I talked to my best friend the other day and they said that you should agree with me. Then I'll say, well, I talked to my best friend and I know you don't agree with me, but my best friend said I was right. So now what do you have? You have two people just like Jacob and Esau 
both giving expectation and they're both in a standoff and they're going to wait until somebody gives. And so who was Jacob and Esau's backup? Jacob's backup was his mother, Rebecca, because doesn't the text in verse 28 and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his venison. But Rebecca, who did she love? Rebecca loved Jacob. So now even, and this is the relationship among the family. So you had a father that loved one son more and you had a mother that loved one son more. So then imagine you have two stubborn boys. So then now when there's a standoff, then Jacob can say, well, mom's on my side. Then Esau can say, well, dad's on my side. So now what's the result of this stubborn relationship among the family? Here's a result. Look at Genesis 27 and verse number 41. Because you have two stubborn sides, then you have verse 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in my heart, the day of mourning of my father is at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So do you understand that when we are competitive, when we have unrealistic expectation, and when we play games with one another, what did Jacob want to do with his brother after all these three things happened in their relationship? What did, Je what did Esau want to do to Jacob? He wanted to kill him. So now do you understand how when we talk about biblical love? And, and again, I need to, to say this. I'm not saying this from a, a point of I've always gotten everything right because I haven't. So this is why, you know, I talked to a, someone who listens to the podcast, right? And I'm appreciative that she sent me a message. And she said she was thankful for the podcast and thankful for the lessons that are taught. And I told her I can only teach them this way because I can only teach them from the experiences that I got them wrong from. So now I can teach it better because I know what it's like to be wrong and then compare that to what the Bible says. Now I can teach that. So I'm not I'm not saying this from a point of, well, Jordan, you sound like you've just gotten everything right. I haven't. But I'm saying this from a point of. This is what the scripture says, and this is what happens. Does that make sense? And so think about that relationship between Jacob and Esau. It deteriorated because both of them from the womb were competitive. Both of them had unrealistic expectations, and neither side was able to give and take. One side always wanted a little bit more. One side always wanted to one-up the other side. Then number three, then we saw that both of them, they played games with one another, and it killed the relationship. So when we talk about three ways to kill our relationships, we can't be competitive. We can't put unrealistic expectations on anyone. And then number three, we can't play games with one another. Well, what can we do? Well, just like we talked before, instead of being competitive, what can I do for the other person? I can forgive, can't I? 
Because remember in the book of Luke, what we talked about last week, Jesus said offenses will come. But when they come, take heed to yourself. And what should you have the heart to do? Forgive. Then instead of having unrealistic expectations, what can I do? Number one, I can sit down and I can have realistic biblical standards. But then number two, instead of having unrealistic expectations, I can have biblical standards, but I can also help them grow. Aren't we supposed to help one another grow? So instead of coming into something, all right, here's a contract. This is what you got to meet. If you don't meet this, contract's void. So we can work together on it, right? Then number three, instead of playing games with one another, what we can do, just like Abraham said to Lot, instead of playing games, he said, we can be brethren. See, sometimes brethren have disagreements and that's okay sometimes brethren have fights that's okay right we can be angry but sin not now when we talk about three ways to kill any relationship we're not saying that every relationship you're going to get in is going to work and we're not saying that you have to go back and you have to do everything right for every other relationship that you had before you learn you grow but your responsibility is to be better. Your responsibility is to mature. Your responsibility is to become more like Christ. And when you do that, then you're going to start to notice that your relationships will become better. Do not base your relationships based off of what you've seen at home. Unless you've had a spiritual example, do not base your relationship off what you've seen at home. Don't base your relationships on your friends. Don't base your relationships on what you see on TV. Base it off the scripture. So instead of killing our relationships, let's build them and let's grow them by forgiving, by setting biblical standards, and by being brethren. Ah, it's a great study, isn't it? Three ways to kill any relationship. And looking at, and the great thing about Jacob and Esau, yes, this is how they were in the beginning. But if you look later on in the book of Genesis, you'll be able to see that Jacob and Esau. You know, Jacob still had that expectation that Esau wanted to kill him. But when Esau saw Jacob, they hugged and they met each other's families and they they grew together and they became brethren because they realized what we did before was immature. And sometimes it takes for in, in their case, it took some years for them to mature as individuals before they can come together as brothers again. So sometimes that needs to happen, too. Sometimes people need to mature in order to come back as brother, but it came, they came back together and it was a beautiful picture. So instead of killing our relationships, let's build them. Such a, such a wonderful study. I'm so glad we were able to do this, um, this biblical love series. Um, I know we have some more coming up and there's some more that we really have to finish too. Um, but we'll get into that, uh, you know, as we move forward, uh, look forward to studying with you all uh, again next week. Uh, hopefully Monday or Tuesday-ish uh, next week. So be looking for that. Again, you can find the podcast uh, anywhere you get your podcast. And you can also find me on Facebook. Just look at my name, Jordan Pugh. And then on Instagram, um, just look up, uh, you know, my name, Jordan, or underscore Jordan, underscore Anthony, underscore Pugh, underscore, and I'll be there. 
And then when the scriptures become real, it has a page there as well. They're both linked. Uh, so you can visit the page and like and subscribe there. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We just appreciate you guys so much for helping us build this together and so we can learn and study and help teach one another. Really appreciate you guys, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks.